1: Welcome into episode number 127 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. Hopefully everybody had a good weekend. We're, we're now almost all the way through Tuesday, so this week is, is kind of just chugging along. Back here with my man Joey House. What's going on?
0: Not much, not much. Like you said, getting ready to, uh, we are now less than a week away from the start of August, and that means we are officially uh, in football mode, at football least preseason. Mode.
1: Football mode, yeah, and, and right off the bat, I mean, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of a, a teaser on, on on Michigan, I mean, obviously, probably everybody <laughs> heard the news by now, but just just right off the top, before we get into our, our other topics that we're going to get into, is obviously, uh, Jim Harbaugh, the, the recruiting violations, I guess, finally caught up to him, it seemed like he's, he's kind of uh, been swimming in deep water with that for a while. And now all of a sudden, for whatever reason, they're they're cracking down on him and, and they give him a four game suspension. What do you do you think that was deservingly, uh, you know, like justified for what for what it seems like he's done or.
0: Well, I think it's because his uh, the one sleeper we brought Elmo along. And I think that's what the uh, NCAA took a real offense at. <laughs> um, I You know, recruiting is such a murky issue in the ncaa um and i am certain that probably every program has committed some sort of violation or the other uh but you were right it seemed like the michigan program had been dropped uh dancing through raindrops so to speak for the for for quite a few seasons actually Um, so but it's also yes he got suspended for four games but really like th- that team could go out there and I could coach that team for to four, for those four wins it, it's it's very interesting that those uh, the four game suspension ends right at the beginning of like the conference play in earnest like, they do play one conference game Rutgers <laughs> but um in the big house too to- in the big yeah exactly nice uh, um I remember one year that uh it was an SEC team. I want to say it was LSU or maybe Auburn or something like that. But one of those SEC teams, they didn't make a bowl game anyway. So they they were under investigation. So they gave themselves a bowl ban of one year, but they weren't making a bowl game. It, it's like these schools are are. It's laughable what they do to to, to self discipline themselves.
1: Right. I, I and I and I agree. Completely. I mean, wouldn't it be funny if, if the NCA was like, all right, we're going to suspend him for four games, but we're going to pick the four games he's suspended for. So, so it's like, are you look? you're looking down the slate of games. I don't know how good Michigan state will be. And I'm not sure about Purdue, you know, Purdue was decent last year, but they kind of fell off a cliff too. But um, let's just say, you know, you pick one of those games. So Purdue or Michigan state, cause it's a, it's a conference game like Michigan state's at Michigan state. And then, Purdue is never like a slouch, so you know you take the what take one of those, then you suspend him for the Penn State game, then you suspend him for the Ohio State Michigan game, which is always an absolute you know bloodbath at the end of the year, and then maybe either the Minnesota or the or Nebraska, um, just another conference. Like if they were all for you know, kind of coin flips, or at least there's a chance for the other team to to pull off. Not to say that Rutgers won't, but. I don't think we know they, they won't. Yeah, right. Like, going into the big house against Michigan, who, who's won the Big Ten the last couple – you know what I mean? Like, they're a powerhouse right now. It's like, is that even going to hurt them? Or or maybe that will give Harbaugh even more time to, to really di- diagnose, you know, these other teams' issues going into, like, that first game he comes back at Nebraska. Maybe I would, I would load Michigan on the – on the line, on the on the uh, on the spread, basically on, I the say. Spread? On, the, on the spread against Nebraska because it'll be Harbaugh's first game back. He'll be just irritated that he was out all you know the first four. They're they're gonna want to stick it to him, and and he's gonna have them fired up, ready to go. Like I guarantee, the spread's gonna be massive in that game.
0: Is that in? I'm trying to find it. Is it in Michigan or is it in? Uh,
1: no, it's, it's in, in Lincoln, in corn, Cornhuskers territory, but uh
0: yeah it's nebraska i mean really right which is but you're you're right yeah it's in lincoln nebraska so um well here's another way that you could look at it if you want to take the contrarian view of what you just proposed um because of the sanctions and the little bit of reprimand that they suffered that could create a huge disturbance in the program for preparation and so with, I, I don't think this has happened, this will happen. I think it's going to play out exactly like you said, and I think uh, I think Michigan wins in a walk that week. Um, but it could potentially create such a media circus with, oh, this is Harbaugh's first game back after missing the quarter. I mean, because it, it, th- at 13 games, four games is almost a quarter of the season which at first you don't think it, it's only four games and, and granted it's the easiest four games that they have on the schedule but it's still at the end of the day is a quarter of the season now what would be really interesting is if michigan thought, when he got suspended those four games if it was without pay which i'm sure that it's not because then it would then you could see a really pissed off our ball and they might beat nebraska by seven touchdowns but uh i i think it'll probably play out exactly like you do um just looking at the line now if i were to make the line right now i would have michigan favored by 17 or 18.
1: so i was, I was gonna go as far as to say 21 and, and you know it, it, as far as that goes so definitely i mean it, it's i mean you, you look at it, east carolina that should be a route UNLV; that should be a route bowling greens that's a joke and then and then rutgers like we said right. Rutgers didn't have a good season last year at all so I don't know it's
0: I just have two words for you though Appalachian State (laughs) yeah right (laughs) and I somebody was tweeting out about this uh today actually and I I replied I'm like I just took that because Appalachian State's actually in uh the same state as East Carolina is um I think they're all North Carolina but it just obviously different parts. But I I just, I said, I just hope that Eastern Carolina can tap into their Appalachian state mode because uh, that would be so fantastic. That'd be the funniest thing I think I've ever seen. Cause I I mean, do you remember, how old were you when they lost to App State back in 07?
1: 07, I would have been, I was born, I would have been 11. I remember that though, I do Yeah. well. That's kind of right when I started getting into sports, at least like knowing kind of what's going on. I, what was
0: going on and whatnot, being able to follow it and keep up and keep right, stuff.
1: like yeah, know what's you know okay, Michigan and is a good team or this or that, you know, but yeah, no, that was and and what it was a, like a blocked field goal to like the uh, return for a touchdown to like right. They like,
0: didn't need they didn't need the touchdown that they scored. They all they needed to do was block the field goal because they were up I think thirty one to thirty three to thirty one or something like that but that is to this day the greatest upset i've ever seen um because one appalachian state had not entered the fbs yet they were still in the football sub sub championship series so you're talking about one double a team coming in playing a top five team in the nation at home in the big house. Like the in the big place, house, yeah. Our, our place one, to play, right. Yeah, exactly. And then winning. Like, it, it just, and then a couple years later, App State gave Penn State all they could handle. It took them to overtime in Happy Valley. Right. So they have definitely, like, they're one of the few teams that have really, because after that, a lot of FBS teams didn't want to schedule them anymore. I can, I remember when Gonzaga used to be like that in basketball, when they were still a mid-major and they would routinely beat bigger schools at the beginning of the season, or, or if they didn't beat them, they would give them all they could handle. And go ahead.
1: No, no, of course. And, and and no, I didn't, I don't mean to cut you off. um, I was just going to piggyback on that. I mean, this past season, at least in, in, Penn state's case, I remember, I think central Michigan uh, won their, their conference before. I, and I'm not sure off the top. I was trying to find it real quick, but the, the research department left me, left me down, but uh the, the Chippewa, yeah. Central Michigan's Chippewas, which is obviously a bizarre name, but uh, besides the point, I mean, they, at, at half, and Penn state is known to kind of dance around with these lesser companies. And I, and and really, I don't want this to turn into a Penn State show. It very easily could, but it's one of those things where I, I kind of put that on James Franklin sometimes because I'm like, man, put the hammer down on these these teams that, especially in Happy Valley, like you gotta. I mean, they go on and win 33 to 14, but at halftime, I remember Central Michigan putting up back to back touchdowns at you know right near half this past season, and, and that game was 21 to seven or 21 14 and a half, and I was like, man this central michigan team is hanging writ like they're a scrappy little team and sure enough like i said penn state went on to to win but really penn state only scored uh 12 points in the second half um to and they, they the defense stepped up and and kept them you know they shut them out in the second half but yeah you you cannot and i know like the alabamas of the world and the the Georges, they'll they'll go on and just throw 50 60 points on a lot of these these smaller smaller schools but these you never know like these big 10 opponents i've even i've even seen maryland take uh and i know maryland's a bigger school but they took they go they took michigan to the wire last year um and played and played their ass off and, and almost beat them so you never know and illinois actually illinois was real close to beating michigan in the big house last year but um yeah, it, you can't you can't take them for granted, but but like you know, Penn State beats Ohio last year, forty six to ten. Like, there's plenty of examples of it going the other way, but it, it's a shame that, like it, I'm not going to say was the suspension worth it. Maybe maybe it kind of was, depending on who they recruited. I don't like if if James Franklin got caught for the same thing, and we got some five star recruits, and they turned into some absolute, you know, savages, I'd be like, whatever, like, yeah, I, I wouldn't like to stay on the program, sure, but does it, it'll get brushed over if they're, if they're win the Big Ten again, you know?
0: Right, now, the the thing is, though, I don't know, because sometimes when the, when these types of violations happen, uh, the recruits end up leaving because the, the, the uh, media attention around them is so intense, and it makes them Um, Penn I mean, Penn State's had more more than its fair share of scandals, which is, it it is, that's bizarre for me to say, because growing up during the Joe Pa era, that was always one of the things that Penn State was probably their fans were probably a little uh, snotty about was like, well, we've never had any scandals. And I remember when when all that broke, it was almost like the national media was giddy over the fact that finally Penn State fucked up and they could just, and it was a major, major foul up. Like it was colossal and they were just tickled pink that, oh my God, like now we find, like Joe Pa has been such a pain in the ass and so arrogant, blah, blah, blah. It's all those things that I've heard about people outside of Penn State singing about them. And now they could just stick it to them. And they they did unmercifully. Um, the, you brought up Central Michigan's nickname. Uh, the Indians, the, the Native Americans that that is, represents me take offense to that.
1: Well, see, <laughs> let, let me backtrack. Maybe I, I don't want to get canceled or anything. I, I just... <laughs> I can't. No, I, don't. I And and not not intentionally by any means. Uh, I just never. I mean, I've heard that in college. There's so many. Like, it, there's a million schools. You know what I mean. And that that's another thing I do. I like about college. It's just like you got. Uh, you, there's something for everybody. Like you, right? If, it's if so you diversified. See, right. Like if you want to see the SEC, which is damn near the NFL, um, you can watch that. You can watch the Big Ten, which obviously has. Big Ten to me is so traditional based. Like, there's so much tradition at Penn State. There's so much tradition at Michigan. There's so much tradition at at uh, at Ohio State. Unfortunately, but it's it's just uh, I I don't know. I'm partial to Big Ten because that's I've watched you know 95 of the games I've watched are Big Ten games. So see, it's,
0: and it's funny that you talk about tradition because people fans my age. Don't consider Penn State part of the Big Ten
1: right right, yeah.
0: now obviously the fans of your generation that's all that you've ever known. Now I consider them part of the Big Ten, but there is a lot of people that are outside of the Penn State community that did not want us to join that were very, very I remember Bobby Knight was was up in arms because he had to he had to fly into State College in the middle of the winter. And he thought that was just the world like the biggest travesty in the world. So it's, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because it's all a matter of perspective and again, Penn state fans, cause I mean, we are part of the Pe- big 10 we've been so for almost 30 years now, actually it, it has been 30 years. This is, this is our 30th anniversary of, of our first season in the big 10 1993. Um, but the the traditionalist uh the Ohio states the Michigan states the Michigans of the world still think of us as the young upstart where now we can turn our nose towards Rutgers and Maryland and and then next year when USC and UCLA it it all changes like the Big Ten will have its tradition but not a, a tradition like we've ever seen Right. Yeah. It'll I mean, be, it'll be the first conference that actually spans from coast to coast.
1: Yeah. That'll, and I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, I'm not, I'm never one for change. Like I I'm, just, <laughs> I'm very, if it's one way, don't change it. And then, but it'll be interesting. I mean, US, especially US, USC, I mean, I, it'll be cool to see that. I just, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not sold on how it's going to all go, but it is, you know, adapt or die. So it is what it is. So uh, kind of switching gears. I mean, (laughs) didn't didn't intentionally get on a big 10 rant, but it it happens very easily. But uh, the Philadelphia Phillies are definitely Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, you can't, you can't really find a team that's this Jekyll and I mean, you could make a case the Red Sox have kind of been that type of team this year Um, starting out really bad. Then, you know, they've been up and down and they've shown flashes that they can be a good team, but this Phillies team goes on a four game winning streak then loses two out of 3 in Cleveland close games uh didn't score like any type of runs in that series uh you know losing on on Saturday one nothing and then they they kind of have an onslaught of, of eight runs on Sunday but uh, just the five on on Friday and just I'm not going to say five isn't is no their slouch but with this Phillies offense you expect them to explode from here uh here and there and, and really against the brewers when they lost two out of three against them, the most runs being they scored, shut out once shut out. And then they scored the most runs they scored was, I mean, they scored seven runs in the whole series. So it's just bizarre. Um Last night I couldn't lose. I, I it was Orioles Philly. So I, I was, <laughs> it was pretty cool. I, I'm not going to lie. It's tough. It, it, it eats at me a little bit to have two teams. I don't know. I'm weird, but uh it was, it was just a hell of a game though. It really, I mean, three to two final, Schwarber and gives it everything he got down the line to try and catch a fly ball. I mean, he he got on his, uh, not on his horse but on his scooter because that guy is, <laughs> he's a little bit of a defensive liability. I'll say that. Uh, I don't think that's breaking news or anything, but, um, yeah, Colton Cowser hits one down the line. Uh, Schwarber lays out, doesn't get to it. Ultimately, is the is the game winning run as uh as the Orioles slam the door, but. Last night, what really stood out to me is, man, I, I, Trey Turner. It, I, he so coming in, he, he's hitting you know a little over two forty, but he makes two two errors early on in the game. Um, it just looks like he's he's in his head. He, he's he's trying to do too much, and then like especially on the second error, he he's just trying to flip it the second, and he's just a basket case. Really, I mean, he, he's just all over the place, and then um he gets tossed for arguing a strike three which a strike three call which which was low i'll give him that um and, and what was funny is he kind of tossed his equipment to the side for the ball he's 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 saying to the young that's for the that's for the fucking ball that's what he said that's for mm-hmm. the fucking ball boy and he gets tossed and like i think because he threw the equipment but i was like man the boobirds were coming out for him last night it was just not a good like He's got a – I don't know if this season's a, a wash. If they go on a postseason run and he get, he catches fire, all will be forgotten, especially in Philadelphia where it's what have you done for me lately. But, my God, I mean, it, it's just – I'm shocked that he's had this rough a, a start just because of his, his – you know, his career numbers are insane. Well,
0: it's interesting you brought that up because I'm looking at his career fielding numbers and – his career fielding percentage at shortstop is only 972.
1: Yeah, not, and great. not
0: great. Not great at all. Uh, right now he's at 967, which is obviously a little bit worse, but he's had seasons where um at his second to last season in Washington, he was at 956. Um yeah. he's right and so he's he's never been now the, the thing with that is though because of his range he gets to more opportunities so he can he can make a, a little bit more of a spectacular play but because he's extending his range it also uh, it allows him almost to the chance to get make more errors so I mean this is I mean obviously a bad season for him and getting in his head I think that's a a very good point because now I really do believe that he's he's pressing and baseball is is such that you can't go out there and try to hit the ball harder or try to throw the ball harder if you're a pitcher or something like that you just have to you have to let the game come to come to you, and you have to. I mean, without getting all zen and and whatnot, <laughs> uh, you just have to. You have to relax, though, because the more that you press, the it just that is not a recipe for success. No, and, I didn't. no, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, and I think that's exactly what he's trying to do now because because of that monstrous contract that that he signed. And he, I mean players all the time they say they don't listen to the that actually doesn't happen as much as it used to but players always used to say oh I don't listen to the media I don't listen to this that the other thing and now we know that they do they I mean they troll just they troll themselves just like everybody else does and so he's reading uh, we're, we're paying 400 billion or whatever for 240
1: yeah and, that, and that's one thing like you know, um, the Philadelphia market is—it's relentless. Like it, it, you go on, you as soon as Schwarber was in a slump. I mean, I know he's a—he's a June hitter. It's just I—I I don't understand. Like it just—that's how he is. Like all April long, he will hit maybe four home runs. Like it's just—that's how he is. And then boom, June June first comes, and it's like he's a different. He, he he finds himself and that's just that that's part of the Schwarber experience but like in april people were like man sent (laughs) triple a like you might want to trade Schwarber like philadelphia does not they're not easy on their on their players that's 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 just a known fact and i think maybe like like you said like watching trey turner bat usually he looks about as loose as as like he's just he kind of has his arms just dangling. He, he's mm-hmm. got a very loose swing. He he looks relaxed. He looks like, and it's funny. I'm not, and I'm not trying to shit on the guy by any means. Like it, it, at the end of the day, like I know he's a great player, and he's he's probably a Hall of Famer. At, at maybe you know we'll see. Um, but he's a career 296 hitter. But I know shortstops never or, or fielding's never been his like strength of his game. He has no Gold Gloves or anything, but. Like, watching him and then watching Bryson Stott is, is pretty interesting because, I mean, Turner's been in the league now. You know, this is, he's 30 years old. This is his, his ninth season. And Bryson Stott looks – maybe it's because he was brought up in Philadelphia, drafted by the Phillies. He kind of just is used to the pressure that comes with that. Or uh, he doesn't have that massive contract over his head. But, like, Bryson Stott in the batter's box looks composed. He looks – like like he just looks like nothing's really phasing him in the field he he doesn't make many errors at all either like and he's only like 22 years old so it's it's just and i'm not like i said i'm not trying to like shit on like when it rains it pours sometimes especially in baseball he's probably thinking oh my god i hope the ball doesn't come to me again because (laughs) that that starts to creep in maybe not but uh, he's human at the end of the day like at some point he's gonna realize like he's gonna think oh god i'm not i'm not living up to this right now and and it was just a rough night for him last night against, like I said, the Orioles. It, it was just – he's going through that like Nick Castellanos did last year. And this team, I mean, they need to get on some type of and, – and against – the Orioles are playing really, really good. It, it's it's kind of still surprising to me. I, I It's – you know, they made a jump this year, and they're playing with, like my buddy uh, at the I-95 podcast said, so they're playing with house money. Like they're not supposed to be where they're at. They're extremely confident like I, I watch that team and they don't look like they ever think that they're out of it. Um, but for the Phillies, it's just it's been a roller coaster all year, and I thought you know, going into the all-star break, they turned the corner, but then that that series against the Brewers kind of made you realize like I, you know, and, and there's so many games I get that, but they just look they look uninspired sometimes out there. And I'm not gonna say they did last night. I think they played a really, really good game they couldn't get the bats going against Dean Kramer but it's i don't know i i just, this team is really hard to figure out
0: yes yeah. um yeah because going into the all-star break they lost they lost two out of 3 to Miami which is frustrating but if you look historically they always struggle against the Marlins uh, for whatever reason, it makes absolutely no sense because the Marlins can be literally the worst team in the world, and yet they find a way to beat Philadelphia <clears throat> consistently. So we come out of the break and we lose the, the very first one to San Diego, but then we take the next three, and we look solid in in doing so. And then we go to Milwaukee, and Milwaukee's in first place in the NL Central, and we take the first one in Milwaukee, and then the wheels come off and and with this offense you don't expect to get shut out two times in in a week that just should not happen and but this is this has been their amount of this year they just there is literally no consistency which makes handicapping them it will make you want to pull your hair out which is (laughs) Not a good thing because I don't have that much hair anymore anyway, <laughs> and what little bit I have, it, the Phillies want to make sure that they get rid of, because you you, a, a, yeah, you just cannot handicap them because you don't know, their pitching for the most part has been decent, and so yeah, you can again, kind I, of handicap that, but their hitting has just night? been no, again and,
1: and again, last night, like Christopher Sanchez was on last night, and they just didn't do an I don't know. I, I, they kind of, and, and Rob Thompson's coming under some heat and I don't really blame fans for getting on Rob Thompson because I mean, he, he, right out of the break, they, they, they started Sanchez, which like, I don't absolutely hate that. Cause he's been good, but like a lot of people were saying, well, why not give it the Wheeler? or why not give it to, mm-hmm. to Nola? One of your, one of your uh, horses right out of the break. And then, uh and then last night they kind of put a, against an Orioles team who's in first place and and second in baseball and record they put out a, a lineup in which i was like so it makes you scratch your head like and i get giving giving guys days off but i, I just i don't i don't like they had jake cave in there they had josh harrison in the starting lineup like it's just i don't quite get the they're they're kind of passive they're just kind of passive with with this lineup a lot a lot of the times and i I'm not saying move Schwarber around like I think he deserves to be in the number one hole because he's just he's a threat every time he comes up to hit the ball out of the ballpark but I I don't know I I just I'm not a big I'm not maybe they're using analytics and everything else I'm sure they are but I just feel like Rob Thompson isn't he's not that guy I don't know
0: it's it's funny you say that because I used to read a lot of the Philadelphia fan boards on Facebook and that seems to be a very familiar refrain however I mean nobody has been that guy for them and that is I can remember I was excited to the moon when they hired Girardi I just thought that was going to be the greatest thing in the world and he for whatever reason could not relate to that team whatsoever and it's I don't I don't know if I disagree with you that Thompson's that guy or not that guy um and they they typically don't play on Mondays so when they were forced to play yesterday that probably is why you saw such a hodgepodge lineup of irregulars because Monday is typically their travel day so Now, if you saw that lineup again tonight, then then, then you might want to lynch him. Um, But also, he, and with them having won on Sunday, you would have liked to have seen the same lineup. Like, I mean, I grew up with Cal Ripken, never taking a day off. That, to me, is what baseball players, particularly if you're making hundreds of millions of dollars, that's... I I understand being injured and stuff like that. But you know what? Oh fucking well. Like, this is your job. You go do it. Unless you're seriously hurt. And I don't – I don't know. You just had a, a four- or five-day break with the All-Star break not that long ago.
1: But. It's – and, no, I'm super glad you brought that. Like, it's all sports. And especially the – see, I there's a million reasons I could rip the NBA. Like, that's just – that's second nature to me at this point. I can't. Uh, those guys take so many nights off. It's it's honestly ridiculous, and I, they're a bunch of crybabies in my opinion. But the the whole like like I get getting guys in there, and maybe later at bats, if they're like, okay, the Orioles have a lot of lefties coming out of the pen, so we're gonna we're gonna hold this guy because he murders lefties, or vice versa. The Phillies have mm-hmm. a bunch of righties in the bullpen. So Orioles are like, we're going to, you know, matchups. I get that baseball, baseball's a lot of analytics and matchups and, and to get an advantage, but like one guy, I will say that does not take days off like, or it's just, he's a, he's a gamer is Harper. Like Harper will play. I mean, you see that contraption. He, he looks like Baker Mayfield a couple years ago with that contraption <laughs> on his arm. And like, he is a gamer. I give him credit, but some, of I and I'm not calling anybody out on the Phillies. I can't really attest to, like you know, who is fake? Who wants a day off, and and who's just a managerial decision? But baseball is definitely becoming more like the NBA and the and not so much the NFL. But like, because they have a short shorter season. But like, all right, we'll give you the day off. All right, we'll give you. The... It's like, well, you are kind of in a wild card race. You know what I mean? Like, if you fuck around too much, you are gonna find out, like they say. So. It... <laughs> like resting and in, in putting out these Bush league lineups sometimes. And the, and the Orioles do it too. And, and everybody, everybody does the Yankees do it. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't quite, I get giving guys days off, but like you said, it was just the all-star break. I get that, you know, they came from Cleveland to Philly. It's not like, it's not like you're going from San Diego to Philly. So I don't right with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're talking maybe an hour and a half. Like it's not like you were, up in the air for 18 hours and you're all cramped up and shit like that it's just <laughs> and, and it was a it was a one o'clock game so you were home by the evening
1: yeah you're home before the next day so
0: it, well before the next day so yes I mean with giving players off and, and resting them and things like that um I'm sure that one of the prevailing theories is they are such expensive commodities to the organization that you obviously want them to be as fresh as possible and while i understand that your point of you're kind of in a wild card race like we kind of need you right now you you started you went into the series i think if if not leading like they had at one point I think Saturday they had occupied the third wild card, but they don't now. Like, if the season ended today, they would not be making the playoffs. And so, until you are comfortably in the wild card, you know what? Like, sorry, you, you got to play today. I mean, oh, oh fucking, that's what a horrible thought. You have to actually go out and earn your hundreds of millions of dollars instead of getting a day off every 10 days or whatever. Uh,
1: I mean, I mean, Joey, you've seen more baseball than I have. What do you think about all like these rest days and these, it, it just seems like a lot of excessive a little, like at least a little bit, right?
0: Right. Well, yes, it, it, it does too, because I grew up in being a little bit older than than Well, than yourself, but uh, than a lot of people now, I mean, it's, I'll be 50 this year in a couple of months, literally and that still doesn't compute but i remember i mean i started watching baseball in the 80s um my very first memorable year that i really started paying attention was the 1982 season the orioles had this uh hot young young shortstop rookie named cal Ripken, and yeah you might have heard of them (laughs) and the Orioles I'll, I'll never forget it went down to the final game of the season of the regular season and they were tied with the Milwaukee Brewers and at this at this point in time there were only two divisions in each league there was an AL East and an AL West so the Brewers were in the AL East and they were both tied so This game was like a one, it was, it was part of the regular season, but it was a one game playoff. This game would determine who was going to go to the ALCS or or the Divisional Series, I think. So, and the Orioles lost. Uh, I don't remember who pitched for, I remember the Brewers had Robin Yowt and the, I think, uh, it was either Mike Boddicker or Jim Palmer that was pitched, that pitched for the Orioles, um, but they lost. But that was my first the first year that I remember. And then the next year, the Orioles made the World Series and beat the Philadelphia Phillies. And being exactly like yourself, I was just like, well, this is great. Like, I can't lose. Like, I had actually rooted for the Orioles to win the series because the Phillies had just won it in 1980. So I'm just like, well, you know what? Like, I... I was never alive when the Orioles won so I'd like to see the Orioles win. And that Orioles team with Eddie Murray, obviously Ripken, uh, Rick Dempsey was their catcher, and just I mean really 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 good players. And so the, like the 80, the generation of the 80s and even in the 90s, baseball was so much different than it is now um with regards to everyday play um particularly pitching pitching is just so uh, first off they used to have a four-man rotation so and and it was quote-unquote revolutionary when they went to a five-man rotation right (laughs) so you get pitchers that were and then in addition to pitching more games, they pitched more innings. They finished what they started and there were pitchers that would pitch six, seven, eight, complete games a year. I you'd be lucky if a team had eight complete games in a year now, oh, or maybe even in a league. It's just
1: ridiculous. That's a very, very good point. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm trying to think I saw a on the Cubs. Just because I had some, mo- I had money on that game. This was a few weeks, probably a month ago at this point, if not more. But he he went complete game. Like that's the last time. I mean, I'm not sitting here and saying I watch all the games, but there can't there there really hasn't been that many complete games. Like not at all. Especially it seems like th- this year they're really like. I mean, I've seen the Yankees in sp- uh, particular. I think I talked about this in a, in a previous episode. Is the Yankees pulled uh Domingo Herman with like 74 pitches. It's like, it's just bizarre. Like I, I get trying to preserve some of these guys, like maybe your, your Verlanders and your Scherzers and things like upwards of 40, but I'm sure you, you're, you're familiar with Nolan Ryan. And, and from all those, <laughs> all the stories I heard is, is he would throw harder as the game went on and he, and yeah, you still see it where guys argue with the manager to come out, but like they're, Like, like Garrett Cole's one of them that always throws a temper tantrum when, when Aaron Boone goes out there and, and that type of thing. But back in the day, and I'm I'm not, you know, before my time even too, but you know, in the nineties, in the the eighties, it seemed like these guys were just, they're a different breed now. They're, they're, they're a little bit coddled. I'll say that in my opinion.
0: Yes. Uh, that's actually a, uh, pretty, uh, astute observation. And just for example, the league leader in the whole major leagues of complete games this year is uh, Nathan Ivaldi with two. (laughs) Now, if you go back, I'm just going back to a – I'm not even going to look at the records for complete games. I'm just going to look at complete games by season and it's just like i said i mean you get picked and of course now i can't find this uh, our stats guy really needs to get on the ball
1: the research department (laughs) yeah they're they're going to get talked to don't don't, don't even worry about it you
0: you get what you pay for i guess but um i'm looking back at i'm just going to pick 2004 for example um and it's just but what it makes me wonder is okay so they're they're yanking the pitchers a lot sooner now than than they used to so what i wonder is how would that have affected the gains growing up if they would have used relievers back then as they did now would that like how drastically would that have altered I mean obviously outcomes because like what would would that have improved
1: I think see that's that's like talk about a a question for the a million dollar question like you could say maybe there's more runs scored maybe there's less runs like leaving some of these guys in for as long as they did, I'm sure some of these guys weren't as effective, but then you had your outliers, like a Nolan Ryan, like a, like a Greg Maddox, like where it was just, those guys were dynamite from start to finish. And like some of them, like um, Nolan Ryan, for example, it seems like he got better as the game went on and he got more like intense as the game went on. So mm-hmm. it it is interesting. I think the bullpen now more than ever is like, if you don't have a good bullpen, you're gonna, you're gonna struggle because, you, you, the bullpen gets used every single night and especially watch like the Phillies I think are a little bit better than the Orioles in this respect In it seems like the Orioles go to the same three guys almost every night and it's like there's Yenier Cano there's Felix Bautista and there's Danny Coulomb those three guys get absolutely I mean borderline they probably feel it more than the starting pitcher because it's like game in and game out, and game in and game. Out. And they're throwing – especially uh, Yenier Cano and Bautista are throwing upwards of 100, and Batista throws like 102, 103. So you cannot tell me that's not putting – str- I, I know they only throw two, three innings most of the time or, or one inning if, if you're Batista, But I think the Phillies, watching them and catching their coverage, they they kind of diversify their bullpen a little bit better, I would say. And, and I hope it doesn't burn out the Orioles' bullpen, but it, it's like – Sometimes and, and I just saw a stat, the Phillies are actually first in July. I got the Phillies pregame on here. Uh July and in, uh innings pitched by a starting pitcher. I think the Orioles were fifth in the league. Um so pretty interesting, at, at the fact that like this, their starters are going are going the and I think it was six and two thirds and the Orioles were five and two thirds. And and the Phillies are, are first in the month of July at six and two thirds on average. So wow. it is uh it is pretty surprising how, how the game is, is it's moving. And, and another thing we could talk about is, is the starting, like you got your Verlanders of the world and uh, like Wheeler got a big deal. Like these guys are getting paid a ass load of money to pitch. You know, most of the time, less six <laughs> innings, like four times than not, they're going six innings on every fifth uh, day. Too, on every fifth
0: exactly. Day. Um, it's, so I went back to 2008, um, Last year, Phillies won the World Series. Ironically, and the lead, the league leader in complete games that year was CC Sabathia, with ten.
1: Wow, that's a huge difference. Uh, so, I mean, do so you think of like over under of getting four? I mean,
0: really? It's... I I'd say under.
1: <laughs> right.
0: I mean, I would almost, I'd be willing to put a large number because one, they're over halfway through. Uh, they've played over half of the season, right? And and Doc Halliday that year, um, before he came to the Phillies, he was still with Toronto. He pit he pitched nine. Cliff Lee with the Cleveland Indians had four. Now, ironically, there were no Phillies in that mix. Um, and to address your point about the Phillies' use of the bullpen versus the Orioles, um, I think you're right, right on. Track there because the bullpen has been widely recognized for the Phillies as being, being arguably their team strength. They can they are supposed to be able to hit the ball for power, and have a lights out bullpen. Um, I think at the beginning of the year, I had seen that they had three or four different relievers that could throw 100 mile an hour plus. Now I don't necessarily. That's a, that's a great. Eye candy stat and and whatnot. I don't necessarily think that being able to throw 100 miles an hour is the end all be all, but it just gives you an idea of 25 year back when CC pitched ten ten complete games in 2008. There might have been four or five players in the whole league that could throw 100 miles an hour. Certainly not on one staff.
1: Yeah, the especially, like you said, these guys that are coming out of the – I mean, you have your starters where, like, Garrett Cole a 100. Um, like, there's guys out there that a 100, don't get me wrong. In, in the start, like, Wheeler Wheeler touches 98, 99. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's plenty of other examples. I'm just kind of drawing a blank. But these bullpen guys are quite tough as far as – like baltista on the Orioles, for example he's got a he's got a 103 mile per hour fastball at times and then he's got a a splitter that's like 98 it's a eight, eight, like mike trout i saw an interview with mike trout talking about it and he's like look uh i think it was todd frazier who was uh, interviewing him uh, you know former mlb player and, and he was like you know when i was in the league the the i think the average was 93 like the the velocity average was 93. Now the average is like 97 or 96 or 98, something like that. So it's like the that has changed drastically. And I don't know if it's just conditioning or these guys are just getting stronger with with you know what they're doing with their their offseason workouts and things. But like there are, it, it would be. I'm not gonna lie, it would be. I'd be shitting a, shitting my pants in there <laughs> if I see these guys throwing 100, 103. I mean, I remember when. Rodus Chapman came up and he was like yeah. the talk of the town. Cause he could talk, he could throw one Oh two consistently. Right. And like, and that type of thing. So.
0: Yeah. You, uh, you bring up Nolan Ryan. Um, first off is uh, he pitched for 27 years.
1: That's insane. But
0: uh, when wow, he was
1: uh, a little, sorry, sorry, real quick. Yeah. In in game, uh, in game updates. No, Trey, nice. Trey Turner gets a ground, like a pretty much gr- routine ground ball and, and barely gets to the first and Harper had to dig it out. For, so it's just, I don't know. He, he's it, anyway, it's not important, but <laughs>
0: there it is. Um, when he was 30 years old, he led the league in complete games with 22 <laughs> now, but that wasn't the most in his career. Uh, when he was 26 and 27, back-to-back years he threw 26 complete games he logged uh, in a a two-year period he threw for 658 innings in a two-year period when he was the ripe old age of 43 he had five complete games
1: so more more now than guys that are in their prime yes and he had he had miles on that arm
0: i mean my yeah and he had he had an era of 3.44 struck out 232 batters like the craziest stat about nolan ryan is he never won a cy young how the hell does that even happen no idea but Never once saw you.
1: Yeah, it doesn't doesn't add up, right? I mean doesn't compute,
0: yeah. That's <laughs> so, for sure.
1: Um but from a guy that has has some trophies, we'll say it that way, but finally got his first ring, let's say. Joel Embiid, right? Joel Embiid <laughs> gets, you know, switching gears here to the to the I guess they call it the hardwood, but it's not really the hardwood anymore, I guess. But another thing that's changed. Uh but what do you, what do you, uh, would you make of the, I mean, that wedding was extra from what I saw. I didn't really, you know, I didn't, I'm not, a, I don't work for entertainment tonight or anything, but <laughs> it was, it looked extravagant. in the, It was in posh. The, right. In the Hamptons. Who do you, who do you think? True. Do you think they split that? Or, I, I don't think any of the families paid for that one.
0: I, no, I don't think they they did either. Actually, um, he's been with that girl for years now though. They have uh like a two or three year old, uh, child together but the I think the biggest story about that event was the absence of James Harden What's that and story, right? exactly what does that tell you and now there's the NBA offseason is beginning to shape up exactly the way that the the NBA organization has hoped for and just massive intrigue to see exactly what what happens. And, and I don't think, I think that the the Otani story might be a little bit bigger because it's in season, but where Harden goes is arguably one of the top three stories of the whole, whole kit and caboodle. And, uh, and
1: it's, I don't know, I don't want to accuse these guys of this, that, and the third, but it I don't know if James Harden is a guy that absolutely needs a ring to be satisfied in life. Like it it does not, I don't know. He's hard to read. Like uh, I think his, his days of being a superstar are are behind him, which it was kind of weird too, because he like in Houston, when he was putting up, like, it seemed like 40 a night at one point. I don't know what really happened between then. And then he went to Brooklyn and it just seemed like he's, lost like not a step like he's lost three or four steps um he's still effective don't get me wrong I'm not saying he's garbage he's not a bum or anything like that but he's not like holy shit he's gonna take over the game James Harden you know
0: well he's not he's gonna take over the game every night James Harden he can absolutely have put up a game here or there where he you're like wow this guy and the thing is he's only 33 I mean, he's been in the league for since '09, '10. Uh, so he's been in the league for 13, 14 years. Um, but it's just it's frustrating being a being a Sixers fan because 1983 is a long way away, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that team, but it's starting to fade. More and more every year, and, and it's just I, I. One of the biggest hot takes that I've ever had wrong that I was wrong about was I was I was not an Embiid fan when he came out of college, and I thought that the Sixers should have kept Simmons over Embiid.
1: Oof. now this at was the time, before... at the time. It, you probably weren't like the only one in that boat for sure right
0: and yeah this is before ben all had all his psychological problems and then all of a sudden could play once he got to me. like he he, i mean arguably one of the biggest disappointments in sixers franchise history and you look at that when you look at who they could have gotten and there's two years of back-to-back number one picks and to to whiff on those so epically it's just i mean when you when you're looking at you could have jason tatum that just makes me frustrated but it also makes me question how could these scouts and these analysts get it so wrong i mean who the hell are these scouts to they, they did exactly what I, what i i mean yeah i can do that for for a fraction of the price that they're they're <laughs> they're being paid
1: right yeah it's no one i don't think anybody saw the ben simmons i mean maybe maybe they saw some type of you know and and, and not to make light of mental like mental health is real i'm not gonna lie i've i had i you know not to make this a personal but like i i've, I've you know i struggle you know depending on the day really so but but the thing is with this like and I'm not making excuses for it I'm not saying that either it's it's the way that my thing is like if you want to be a basketball player you know by all means go for it and everything else like just to make the NBA is such a I mean is extreme challenge like you could be the 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 worst bench player on the worst team in the NBA and you could smoke anybody off the street you know like it is it is a Cause there's not many roster spots in comparison to other sports as well. So like when he passed up that dunk, I, I forget what team they're playing. It was in Philly. Simmons passes up the wide open tongue, the wide open dunk. And I'm like, man, like that, that was just bizarre out of, you know, out of left field. Like there was nobody around him um, in a playoff game. You know, you need to bu- just get the bucket and he right. he kicks it out for a three. and I, And that was the beginning of the end. Like, that's what, you know, when the ceiling started falling on Ben Simmons and the, and the fan, the fan base did not, you know, let him off the hook, which I, I don't blame them. Like he he gave up on that team basically. And, and then he goes to Brooklyn and, and it hasn't exactly panned out there either. Like, yeah, he's, he's played some, but there were, there were main comparisons that he was going to be the next LeBron. And, and even LeBron was like, you know, this guy is all the, and I can't stand LeBron, but that's a different story, but he has all the tools to be uh to uh, be a superstar in this league. And, and, it's like, just I don't know. I I don't know if it, I. It could be another like. And Carson went to a different story, and that's another Philadelphia athlete. But it it's like a fall from. It, it reminds me of that in the fact that like he was at the, pretty much the top of the league at one point, or at least trending that way, and then bang, just all the way down.
0: Yeah, I mean Carson's a little bit different in the fact that it was an injury that got in there versus, and to address your your mental health my last serious girlfriend was a therapist so I have I am very cognizant of the whole mental health situation and if it was legitimate I wouldn't knock it but when you claim that you're you can't play for mental health or whatever with one team and then you instantly get traded and then all of a sudden you're cured that to me is is more egregious and more it, it's a slap in the face to mental health because you're you're using something that is a very serious issue to mask and hide your your piss poor attitude and so yeah that that to me I was all I, I quickly realized the error of my ways when I said oh they should get rid of MB. Um but I still didn't hate Simmons. But now I have a sh- very very strong dislike for him based <laughs> off of how he handled that situation. That's... If you don't want, if you don't want to play for a team, that's one thing. But don't, don't cop out and, and use an injury or use something that is a very real, and ser- serious and real problem in the United States to to get to get out of your obligations. And that just yeah, that just Fair really enough. really turned me. Fair
1: enough. Yeah. They... Six and are not taking shots at the Sixers, but they they're kind of starting to remind me of the Buffalo Bills a little bit, like modern day Buffalo Bills, modern day Sixers, because they're they're knocking on the door, they're in the playoffs every year, and it's like, are they gonna, are they gonna get over the top? You know, I I really really didn't like the hiring of Doc Rivers to be honest with you. I, I thought that was a mistake from day one. Guys, have known choker in the playoffs. I mean, he, how many times has he gone up 3-0? Three one, three two, and then bang, bang, bang. The other team just and I know there's more to it than that, but I was like, that, that, if you're gonna go out, you're gonna fire. Uh, shoot, I'm drawing a blank. Um, wow, diving, diving catch by Westberg on the Orioles, the third out there. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I just Nick Nurse maybe maybe is better. I, 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 I'm willing to take the chance on you know take a flyer on him basically because. I just thought Doc Rivers was not. He just he does. He never figures it out. I think he was honestly blessed by God or the NBA gods, whatever you, you want to say, with uh, that Celtics team back in you know what is that oh eight or something like you know way back. Um, right. God, I I just don't. I don't think he was the guy for the job. And and I know it's a superstar driven league. And but like I think Eric Spolstra gets the most out of his players. I don't think Doc Rivers gets the most out of his players.
0: I mean, that's a fair assessment. I was excited about the Doc Rivers hire because because I grew up with him. I remember when he played, um, so I have a lot of respect for him, but uh, uh, Bruce Brown was, yeah. or Brett Brown, I'm sorry, Brett Brown. Brett Brown. Uh, yeah. um, but it's interesting because Again, this is our generational difference. When you say that you think that the you're comparing the Sixers to uh, to the Buffalo Bills, well, when I think of that, I think of the Buffalo Bills that made the four straight Super Bowls and lost four years. <laughs> I'm like, well, they're not even that good. Like, but so no, modern
1: day, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, God,
0: that's but horrible. I'm just. Oh, uh, I mean, and my actually my ex wife's uh, father, my father in law was from Buffalo. So I married into a big Bills fan. Now this was a few years removed from those Super Bowl teams. But I, I'm i not going to lie, I was actually rooting for the Bills a couple of those years because they played the Cowboys. And so I was disappointed when they lost. But it, is it better to make four Super Bowls and lose them all no or
1: never make the playoffs Oh, that's I'm, that's man you're on a roll with these, with these. <laughs> I mean that's that's a billion dollar question because to never make I mean the, to never make the playoffs it's like you only have a slimmer of and I know how that can be like never make the playoffs that's good you know god Almighty. I mean before the before the Phillies made the playoffs last year it was a drought I mean it was I think it was six six or so years something like that but to never make the – I mean, that is – I got to say, you know, I guess go to the fo- – but I, I – I've seen the Eagles lose, too, win when – like, my, my roommate's a Ravens fan. He's – well, every time the Ravens make the Super Bowl, they win. And I know it's only been twice, but it's like at the end of the day, they made it. Both times they went, they won. You know what I mean? Right. So – that's what you want in an ideal world. I'd rather my team make the Super Bowl, you know, rarely but win it, than like I hate going to like last year. I hated going to the Super Bowl and losing because there is no, there's no greater game. You know, the World Series or whatever it is like that. That end of the end of the season game and you and you lose, or end of the season series and you lose. There's no worse pain than that. So, right.
0: I I remember the two thousand nba finals when the sixers lost to the lakers and that was the that was the last time the sixers had made it and it was funny because going into the series i didn't really expect much and then when iverson stepped over lou and they won that first game then you start in los angeles you start to believe and you're like holy shit, maybe, maybe we are going to get this <laughs> and uh and we, we don't um so I understand your your concept and your, your idea of I'd rather not make the, the big game and lose it than to never make it um, or, or to make it but then to lose. But the, the thing is, if you never make it, you're never in a position to win it. Correct. And eventually, you hope that one of these times they're going to break through. Um, And I mean, I remember the nineteen eighty super, the nineteen eighty one Super Bowl when the the Eagles lost to the Raiders. And then it was a long, long time until they lost to the Patriots again. And so, yeah, the the Ravens have been blessed, um, but. Not everybody has arguably one of the greatest defenses in NFL history either. Um, But those late 80s, early 90s Eagles teams with Reggie Brown and uh, Reggie White and uh, Jerome Brown and Clyde Simmons, those were incredibly frustrating teams because they would make the playoffs and, and it just felt every year. It felt like Penn State. It felt like every year they were, they were right on the verge and they were favorites and everybody's like, this is the Eagles year, this is the Eagles year. And then Randall White with throwing their, Randall White, Jesus Christ, Randall Cunningham with throwing an interception. Um, and they would choke this way or that way. And next thing you know, you walk, I mean, the NFC East won the Super Bowl four years in a row. It was the, it was the, uh, the Giants, then the Redskins and the Cowboys, Cowboys. And meanwhile, all four of those years, it was always going to be the Eagles year. So I, I used to have the exact same concept that y- you did. But I've come to think of that as being a, a defeatist attitude. Because if you don't make the whatever, the, the, the ultimate game, the, the pinnacle game of your sport, you can never win it.
1: That's a, very yeah, no, I, I, and I hear you. It, it's, that's a very like great, it's a great way to look at it. And it's uh it's kind of like a matured way to look at it. Cause I, I'm just like, I get butthurt. I I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I'm, so yeah. do I. <laughs> it's like when you get there and lose, it's like, fuck me. It's I, disheartening. Wish I, had, it's... I wish I wouldn't have got there, you know, because, I, yes. but I get it. Like you, it, it's like playing the lottery. Like you can, like, yeah, it's a long shot, but you can't, you can't win if you don't play. So exactly. at, at the end of the day, I, I totally get it. And I mean, I think really we, we did a round around the horn. I mean, we didn't touch on NHL today not much to touch on, but we touched on some definitely baseball. We touched on uh, football. And then, and honestly, we, we worked our way into the NBA as well. So <laughs> yeah,
0: that was a, not expected,
1: <laughs> not, not how we drew it up, but I'm um, just going to shout out the, the, you know, the guys that, are in my little circle here with the, the 1420 sports podcast, as well as uh, Jim Plotner at fan in the van. Um, Yankees are playing a little better. So both of you guys should calm down a little bit, I guess. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if, uh, if you're going to go on any more tirades lately, but if you got definitely check those tirades out, the, the most recent podcasts and things. And uh, also checked out. Uh, we like sports podcast. Um, and is this a bad take? It's also uh, a podcast off the Um, Two Dudes with Sports News uh, page. So, yeah, definitely check all those out. Um, That pretty much wraps it up here for for the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. Definitely check us out on Twitter at Brutally Honest without the T. And on YouTube, I need to get more content up on there. But uh, the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. And and anything else with Joey? Uh,
0: Well, no. um, Actually, um, in addition to all those podcasts, you want to start checking us out at uh, Game Time Sharks dot com uh we're starting to ramp up for the football season and we should have a a plethora of content out there um in addition to hopefully more podcasts and shows and things like that uh even in-game live shows where you can call up and commiserate with the bad beat that you're suffering through like i did this weekend with the a's and the twins
1: (laughs) yeah definitely definitely check out the game time sharks and uh Yeah, for Aaron and for Joey, we'll catch you later.